Welcome into the Final Four podcast. It's me, James, and I'm joined by some familiar faces. Willie, welcome back. Jimmy, welcome back. Yeah, yeah, Got a new face, though, in MK. MK, welcome through to the Final Four podcast, man. Yeah, thanks, brother. MK is a United fan, so expect a whole lot of banter from us. <laughs> <laughs> as expected. So we'll kick things off by touching on some cricket news. Delstein and Hashim Amla just retired from international cricket. They've got some amazing stats. The stain remover had 439 test wickets, uh, 196 ODI wickets, and 61 T20 wickets over his career. Let's start with him. Uh, what What do you think he'll be remembered for uh, going forward? Do you wanna Do you wanna kick it off? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> basically, well, he's the leading wicket taker in SA Test, so. I mean, he goes down as the one of the best, if not the best, uh, test bowler from SA. Um, he had he holds the record for being number one, the longest in the world. So I feel like we really lost a very major player, but it was it was time, you know. Injuries have been plaguing him, and things just weren't going well. So I think he retired at. I'm not going to say the right time because, you know, he actually didn't get a chance to go out there and take wickets and then say, okay, I'm retiring because he was injured the whole World Cup. But yeah, man, we all knew it was going to happen and yeah, it finally has happened. It's opening the door for younger players to come in, uh, younger players who have been knocking on the door. So yeah, he will be missed, but you know, every team has to go through restructuring and this is the time actually for SA. They are covered by Jimmy. It's two huge losses for South African mm-hmm. cricket. I mean, Dale Steen is up there with the likes of Alan Donald. I'm excited to see what Kakhiso Abanda is going to do now. You know, it's a good opportunity for him to take that hot seat. Dale Steen, for the longest time, has been one of the bowlers that we look to. Hashim Amla, as well, is a batsman. You know, it's a huge loss. But I mean, age as well, you know. Yeah. It's a bit sad that they can't leave, like, you know, like Jacques Callis. Yeah. Yeah. Jacques Callis retired. He was still on form. You could tell that he still has, like, a season or two on him, you know. But I mean, it's, it's overall, we have to move forward as South African cricket and hopefully one we'll get a World Cup eventually. I mean, if, even for me, uh, a casual uh, cricket fan, uh, yeah. it's, it's undoubtable what they've contributed to, mm. to, to, to the squad nationwide. I don't know, I don't know what you guys think. I mean, maybe cricket is just a whole different sport, but I hear the, the chess going to the side like, like uh, it's going to um, to be missed, but it doesn't seem like now with Hashim out, with Delstein out, is there still like old cricket players that uh, they can sort of like nature the young ones coming in or in cricket is that not a big thing? I mean, you do need those senior players, but yeah. at the end of the day, like Graham Smith is the youngest captain SA has ever had. I think he got yeah. he started captaining at 22, 23. So it just depends on the players at the end of the day, you know, what do you want to contribute to SA cricket? Uh, where do you want your name to be by the time you leave? So whether they are senior players or not, it just actually depends on each individual player going into that setup what they want to do. And they do have some senior players. Faf is still in the system, yeah. So I think he can still nurture the young guys. You know, um, there are people who are being groomed for leadership in the future. You know, Markram has captained the team before. Yeah. Uh, I see him being a future captain of SA. So I don't, I don't think really 
having a lot of senior players was yeah. gonna do much justice because they have been around. Um, and our results, <clears throat> our results have been, they haven't been favorable with them in the team, uh, and they haven't been performing to at their standards. So yeah. it is, it's about time Hash ha- retires. Actually, like I've been, <laughs> um, I've been saying Hash should retire from Test, you know. Yeah. But he tried. He like he played for as long as he can. Didn't yeah. have a successful World Cup. And I think he just knew that, okay, I'm not going to be here for the next World Cup, so might as well just hang up my boots now. Yeah. Okay. So, with Hashim running out, I mean, he's leaving with over 9,000 runs in test appearances, uh, 8,000 runs in ODIs. Who replaces his mantle uh, going forward for SA? It's a tough one. That's a very tough one. Um, because with Hash, Hash was like the quickest to get to 5,000 runs, 6,000 runs, 7,000 runs. Um, I think from five to nine thousand runs. So having that type of player in your system who at any given day can give you a hundred, um, can just take over a test match, take over a test series, it's really hard. Uh, because when he also came into the team, he wasn't really that player, you know. He had some a few performances that were up and down, uh, more downs and up. People didn't want him in the team. And, you know, he just stuck to what he does, you know, and it worked for him over the long period of time, and now he goes down as also one of the best cricket uh, batsmen SA has ever had. Especially like since he was an opener, I think that would be the most the most difficult thing for South Africa is who now you find that can open the way that Hashimamba used to put you on the front foot. The likes of Quentin de Kock, I don't really see him being. I don't know, like taking hundreds as an opener all the time. So I don't. First of all, I don't think you can replace Hashimamba. Yeah. To be honest with you. Um, cricketers like that coming around once in a while, so I don't think. But I think they'll go through to answer your question. I think they'll go through at the Springboks went through, when yeah. all of the senior players retired, and I think yeah. we saw it at the World Cup especially. Yeah. The locker room starts changing because now you've got a lot of youngsters that have looked up to people who've just all left the locker room. You know, who's going to be there for the emotional stability when the likes of Victor Madfield retired from the Springboks? You saw a lot of bad performances we even after Italy Japan you know so they might yeah. have a fit as, uh, you know a period like that but I think that there's enough talent in the Proteas for them to move forward maybe after like yeah. a year or two yeah. to be honest with you so in the next World Cup which is four years from now do you think we'll have a team that's able to compete um I don't think we'll have a team that's ready to compete because the other teams are miles ahead, you know. Mm. Um, Australia lost two of their top batsmen mm. and they went through a slump, but now they get get to the World Cup and they made it all the way to the semi-finals, you know. Um, it just depends, you know. You have those two players in the team who can spark anything and change what has been happening for the last 18 months. Yeah. I don't think SA has that X-factor player just mm. yet. Um, maybe Rabada in four years' time will be more confident, you know, he'd be used to that spotlight um, and he can do something going forward. But cricket is a batsman's game right now and I don't see any any of our batsmen coming up and putting their hand up and saying, okay, I'm going to lead the attack this whole World Cup, you know, I'm going to get us to that place. Uh, Whereas with Australia, they have those players. With England, they have those players. India has those players. Um, And with them, they have a more they have a more open door system so you see new talents coming in and out through in those three teams yeah. whereas with SA you don't really see that because they don't give youngsters that much of a chance unless you are brilliant like um, 
<clears throat> like Kahisa Rabada when he came into the system, you know, uh, he knocked the door down and said, I want to be in this team and look at him now. He's the number one test bat, uh, bowler in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but to say we're going to compete for the next World Cup, I don't think so. Uh, probably eight years time, we never know, but not next World Cup. Yeah. So we skip the next one and then <laughs> look. You just plan for the yeah. plan for the following one. You know, uh, you don't you don't see us saying okay, we're planning for this World Cup. Now plan for the following World Cup. Get your things correct. Uh, have a plan. This is what we want to do. This is what we want to be by this time. Yeah. And you know things can work out, but I don't see with the players that we have and the players that are playing first class cricket right now mm-hmm. and the youngsters coming up. I don't see us challenging for a World Cup in four years time. What about the T20 World Cup? Even worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's even worse. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, that's even worse. I don't know, man. We, we, we had that, that Open and the World Cup against England that sort of like looked winnable. But mm. I mean, you, lo- you lose it, then it happens. Then we sort of like the two next two, three games that looked yeah. there and there. Yeah. Our games weren't really... Uh, looks like we're in there, some of them. Mm. Like maybe half of them were, were in there. We could have could have won. So don't you think that's a positive sign? Given the injuries that we had, also, I think um, Ashim Amla was out for some time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, was the bowler that was out? Uh, uh, Gidi was, was out for some time as well, so we missed him as well. So maybe with a fully healthy squad, with Hashim Amla out, saying that maybe we can get someone to maybe come in surprise us with the betting. Hey, look at the end of the, <laughs> at the, end of the day, it's just yeah. who puts their hand up and says, sure. "I want to do this in this game," you know. Um, you need that player who's going to mm. consistently do that for you and we didn't have that player in our World yeah. Cup uh, so our performances weren't atrocious mm. some of them were bad but they weren't atrocious you know we were getting plus 250 plus 200 in the game yeah. but we just couldn't back it up you know when we're bowling or when we're batting and chasing mm. so yeah, yeah. I think my view is uh, as obviously the disclaimer of a casual cricket fan. Yeah. But I mean, I think if if Faf was a little bit more uh, consistent with uh, with his betting, I mean, there were there were some games where he didn't really should have gotten to fifty, should have at least pushed for for hundred at least. In some games, like mm-hmm. if Faf was more consistent with his betting, I think we could have could have really tried, we could have really tried in that uh, in the World Cup. So maybe. Yeah, I don't but know, we'll see. You can say that for any team, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if if India didn't get bowled out for 125 in the semi final, sure, yeah. they would have won. So, all these ifs and buts, yeah. you know, any easy. Yeah. yeah. But I, would, yeah. I think most of our problems are tactical. I don't see why Imran Tahir was our opener. It doesn't, for me, it doesn't make sense. You know, you want to put people on the back foot, mm-hmm. get someone who builds fear as a batsman, get like someone like Rabat out, mm-hmm. open with him, and then. Later on, you know, bring on the likes of Tahir. But I mean, he was our best player in the World Cup. Yeah. yeah. So I can't take too much away from him. But yeah. I think also Faf Declag needs to. I don't know, man. As as a captain. So like for instance. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like for instance, you check Graham Smith in Test cricket. He he had bad games a lot of times, but he was always yeah. a captain that people could look to. You know, even if he was yeah. out for thirty, yeah. but as a captain, you could yeah. always lead from the front. So I think also Faf needs to get into it, you know, start leading with a nine first. Then okay, gents, this is this is this kind of game and this is how you should tackle it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's uh, wrap up the cricket. Move over to football. The UEFA 
Well, UEFA released the UEFA Men's Player of the Season shortlist for the 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we know the finalists are Lionel Messi from Barcelona, Cristiano Ronaldo from Juventus, and Virgil van Dijk from the European Champions Liverpool. So, gents, who do you think should have made the cut? Well, first of all, do you think the three that are on there should be there? No. No? Is that is that no. unanimous? No, I, I think before I think maybe before we, we, we dive into it, maybe we should just sort of get a, a sense of what, what this list really is and what yeah, what's yeah, the criteria yeah. behind it. Because yeah. I mean, we'll sort of like now start to include other things that might not be appropriate. So, are they talking about Euro? So your domestic league, and then. Um, they talk about uh, Champions League, Europa, that type of thing. Is and, it limited and, to and, that or and European competitions? And European so, so that would include the Nations League. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it would exclude FCON. It would exclude FCON. Because that's Copa. a that's a and Copa. Yeah. So because uh, I think that's a that's a that's a very huge decider. Because mm. based on that alone, I would say um, I'll say Ronaldo deserves to be there. Based on that alone, without international <laughs> competition, I'll say Ronaldo deserves to be there. I'll say Messi deserves to be there. I don't know. I would sort of. I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind, as it is, mm-hmm. standing like that, mm-hmm. given that we say strictly uh, European competition. Because I mean, as much as I would like to include all uh, Liverpool players, I mean, realistically, we can't. We can't. We have to say, okay, out of out of this team, who was driving it the most? Yeah. And it looks like uh, if we take out Van Dijk, they'll really struggle. But if we take out Mane, maybe Salah might uh, actually step up. Mm. But if we take out Salah, uh, maybe Mane might actually step up. So you might say that with or without um, uh, Salah or Mane, they could still really do well. Mm. So, but in some in some instances, if you take out Ronaldo's leadership in that team, you don't know if they win uh, the Nations Cup. If you take out Messi, you don't know if uh, Barcelona still does uh, how well they did. I mean, mm. we've seen with their open and that yeah. without yeah. Messi, it's not really <laughs> a team to to be reckoned with. So I'd be comfortable as it is. It's just that it's really hard for me to not think about Edison um, mm. uh, when when I think about that top three. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm very I'm very indifferent if we're talking exclusively Europe. Mm. Yeah. Look, um, I've made my feelings known about this, uh, <laughs> about this top three. I just don't feel Ronaldo should be there. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, they won Serie A, but they were knocked out in the quarterfinals of mm. Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, even statistically, you know, I don't see how he made that team. Mm. Yes, they won United, uh, Nations League, but... Yeah. You know, Nations League also isn't that competitive. It's, 14, you know, uh, it's a fourteen tournament once you get to the knockout stages. Um, and also Bernardo Silva was their best player in in that knockout stage for for me. So I feel that um, I can't leave out City players because obviously they also won four. Okay, let's say three. I'm not gonna count mm-hmm. the Shield. Okay, they won the domestic treble. Mm-hmm. Um, they did really well in Champions League. Uh, it was literally like down to the last minute that goal from Lorenzo. <coughs> but um, yeah, so you'd include uh, Bernardo over Ronaldo. If we taking into account the international competitions that mm-hmm. are counted, so yeah, yeah. then I'd have Messi because obviously he statistically he is he should be there. He was top goal scorer in Champions League, top goal scorer in La Liga, in top Europe. goal scorer in Europe. Goals, yeah. 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 So I feel that statistically he, he should be there. They were also one goal away from getting to the final. Um, they just failed to score one goal at Anfield. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Virgil van Dijk should be there undoubtedly yeah. uh, just the things that he's done for that Liverpool defence you know uh, just changed it from where they were the, the previous season to where they are now um, yes Alisson Alisson you could say mm. yes different keeper way better keeper uh, best keeper in the league um, but in just Europe maybe uh, you, some yeah, could say yeah. best keeper in Europe Alisson kind of <laughs> so, I'm glad you can't agree, but it's just that I, I, some, I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. It's an argument. So some, it's some, just merit. Some yeah. would go as far as saying best keeper in in Europe. Yeah. Um, he, if it was a four man list, he would be num- my number four. Yeah. Right? Because it's three people. So I say Messi, Van Dijk, and Bernardo Silva for me. Okay. Um, hate having to agree with Jimmy. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Because, um, I mean, obviously, I won't be biased. I'm a huge Ronaldo fan. Yeah. And I, I hate to have to admit that I don't think he should be in the top three this year. Yeah. Because I do think Bernardo Silva has done a lot more mm-hmm. football last season. If you watched him in the FA Cup, if you watched him in yeah. Delhi, because City played like Kevin De Bruyne, wasn't, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, like sure. he, just took, yeah. he just took it and then he owned it. Played well, and I mean, now it's even worse that the brain is back, and Bernardo yeah. is also healthy, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I won't lie, I would also have to take out Cristiano Ronaldo, <clears throat> put in Bernardo Silva, uh, because at the end of the day, I, I think it's the greatest of all time because a certain level I expect him to perform at. Exactly. Once I take down the level that I'm expecting from him, it means that it's no longer me thinking he's the greatest of all time, you yeah. know. So, and then Messi, obviously, because yeah. I mean, top goal scorer in Europe, I can't take him out. Van Dijk has been solid mm-hmm. in all. I think actually, I don't think Alisson is the greatest goalkeeper in the league, even the BPL. Yeah. I, I personally wouldn't even put him in my top two. Wow. In, 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 Alisson, in, in, in BPL. Keepers. Yes. Oh, top wow. two keepers. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think Alisson <laughs> without Virgil van Dijk, mm-hmm. or if you've checked games where Liverpool are actually, well, where they've been caught out defensively where you'd expect your goalkeeper to make an unbelievable save. Alisson, Alisson's probably best save last season was the free kick against Messi in Copa. And that's because Messi had scored a, a similar free kick in UEFA. You were sort of expecting that. If you think of the likes of David De Gea, yeah. look at David De Gea. So you just learned fast. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> look at David De Gea, the game against Spurs. Yeah. Game against Spurs, you can take out like five highlights from that game yeah. where you say this goalkeeper is unbelievable. And whereby you can see that he's clearly got a bad defense mm. in front of him. I think Alisson without Van Dijk in a game where he would be exposed, let's say Dejan Lovren, yeah. Gomez, games like that. Yeah. Against Man City, could probably even concede three goals in a game like that. You know, that's just hypothetical. So for me, though, a goalkeeper like Edison, Edison can still, you can see him as a goalkeeper. His acrobatics, the way he plays in the team, his assists as well. Do you remember the assists? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like a midfielder's pass, you know. Sure. So for me, top two would have to be Edison, De Gea, then I'd consider Edison. So You'd consider. It's not even him. So now you're faulting Edison because he has a good defense. No, I mean, not necessarily. A, I, I think I've, I mean, I've made this argument before. It's, it's a fact. It's one of those things that, look, if Messi is playing with a very, very poor squad mm. and Ronaldo sort of is like a stacked up squad, I wouldn't say that, uh, no, I don't think Messi should be included. It can sort of, is that yeah. Sanchez situation? Yeah. You could see that Alexis Sanchez is a really, really good player, just that he happens to be at Arsenal. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, things yeah. are not working yeah. well. So you couldn't fault him for that. So I think it's that type of situation. It's like De Gea, you just see, he has a bad defense. He has, I mean, yeah. there's Jones and Smalling <laughs> in front of him. But Alisson has if, won. Yeah. 
you know, Super Cup yeah. has won UEFA Champions League. Mm. And I mean, he has been a good goalkeeper in those Copa, games. Yeah, he's won the Copa, Copa too. Yeah. As well. So I think if you have to look at that as well, you know, you have to, if we're going to use that criteria for Bernardo, so we have to use, to use it for Alisson and mm. look at them as well. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry for Alisson not being in the top three. Yeah. So wouldn't you say, like, because I think finalist criteria is the one that makes uh, most sense. So wouldn't yeah. you say that... Uh, you would pick based on that, uh, like uh, so domestic. How did you do with your team mm. in Europe, and then uh, look at uh, your international um, duties? How, how how did you fare there? So wouldn't you pick Edison over Bernardo? Uh, Bernardo comes in because you know they don't take into account Cup America. They okay. just take into account European international Cup. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. So that's why. Uh, Alison doesn't make the list because okay. if you take yeah. in account all international competition, then I'd probably also be putting Sadio Mane. Yeah, yeah, Mane, yeah, or Salah, or Salah. No, maybe. Not last season. Fanti wouldn't even put Salah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't put Salah. I just think they were very underwhelming in Afcon. Yeah. So, your top three? No, mine would definitely. I'm covered by you. Uh, I think Bernardo Silva mm. probably had a better season than Ronaldo overall. Yeah. Ronaldo is probably helped by his reputation. Mm. Yeah, probably the only reason why he's there. I mean, those time he was even injured um, around about the time when Juve yeah. went out of the Champions League. Yeah. And from that time, from that moment onwards, he barely played the rest of the season. Moise Keane actually started don't, playing. Don't, 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 forget did, don't forget what he did. Don't forget what he did when he was coming back from the injury. No, 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 no. No, 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 no but look, there are people yeah. who had a better season than I'd even go as far as saying Raheem Sterling had a better season no. than Ronaldo last season. No, I don't think so. You don't think no. so? No, no, I think it's the it's the proximity sure. thing. I mean, I'm 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 a huge Ronaldo fan, but I didn't even watch a single Serie A La Liga, um, Serie A game because I mean it's Serie A. We don't really watch it that much, but we see Sterling game in game out. Mm-hmm. So I think if we had paid more attention to uh, Ronaldo as well, might but might, even statistically, six goals in your yeah. was not bad. I'm not denying the UEFA yeah, contribution Ronaldo's made. As well. Half those goals. Very solid defensive team. <laughs> 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 no, so I don't know. I don't think it's just reputation. <laughs> I mean, if we look, if I have to look at that, I think then, for instance, how did how did Lionel Messi blow a three 0 goal aggregate advantage? You know. Everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. Mm. It's not him, you know, it is Ronaldo. You see it came in, came out. Even yeah. if he's injured, uh, when Portugal won uh, Europe, yeah. he got injured, but he was there on the touchline expecting the most from his players, you know, mm. to carry on going through, and then they won that game. And even now in Nations League, uh, he didn't do anything in the final, yeah. but you know, just yeah. that constant exactly, expecting yeah. this level from your players <coughs> and True. always pushing them, you know. Uh, I think that works in his favor in terms of leadership. And look, man, Messi, Messi is, is a great talent and I think 
his his style of play it doesn't need a lot of fitness uh, and it seems like Ronaldo the more he, he evolves that's why he had to stop doing the runs and crossing mm. because he saw that wasn't going to be to sustain that so there's a lot of things that obviously statistically he has to drop down I mean it's bound to happen so there's a lot of things that you have to watch game in game out there's a lot of uh, intangibles that he brings to the game that are not, not necessarily reflected in the stats so it won't always be about the stats it's just it's just how it is Sterling had a better skill no no, no. <laughs> he definitely had a better season no. <laughs> for me anyway. least, let yeah. me ask you guys then the this three-man shortlist is based on UEFA's criteria. How will this shortlist differ from the FIFA Best Award shortlist? Do you think it will be the same? Who comes in? Who comes out? I mean, it should more or less be the same. Um, I think Mane definitely um, comes in. Uh, in. In my opinion, Mane definitely had a better season than Messi. Um, he won the, the Champions League. Uh, that's, as, that's as high as it gets. Um, I mean, the Champions League, you can argue that it's rated even above the, the World Cup. I don't think there's a more competitive um, tournament in terms of like bringing in talent from the top 16. It gets very competitive and the top four gets really competitive. So it's, it's, it's a very competitive tournament. So when you win that and then you're able to take your team to uh, to the finals of your of your nations, I want to, want to align it to the whole nation. Your continental, your continental trophy, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. tournament. If we can, if we can call it that, and did very well in in the league as well. Um, I mean, it's it's it's, it's Salah's team. If we're mm. if we're being honest, everyone plays around Salah, but he was able to sort of grind and take in that spot. So I'll definitely bring in the money, but uh, I don't for know, man. Yeah? From from for definitely for now. If if we the top two was going to remain the same, but this is what I hate about the, this whole awards thing and. Um, the Ballon d'Or, especially on the Ballon d'Or side, there seems to always be this thing of like railing towards a sentimental thing and actually not uh, being consistent and being fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, With Modric, it was like a sentimental thing. Like no, there was just something about Modric that we had to give it to him. I think Van Dijk is going to win both because of that thing. Because like no, he's a defender, he stood out. But I mean, Messi, some might argue that had a better season than. Uh, Van Dijk in terms of the load that he had to carry, Messi mm. virtually didn't have any help from um, from that Barca squad, and he did very well as the top goal scorer across Europe. So I mean, there's that whole sentimental thing. So Van Dijk probably wins it, but I don't know, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't give it to him. I would look at where we are awarded it to uh, consistently throughout the years, and it looks like it's always without Champions League we don't even uh, consider you. Yeah. And then after Champions League we look at those things that differentiate you. Mm. Say, oh no, uh, he took his team to to the finals. He did very well in in the league and then we sort of like uh, give it to that player. But hey man, we'll see what happens. I think Van Dijk wins both, but I'll definitely include money. Look, if, if it were up to me, um, my top three would be Alisson, Van Dijk mm. and probably Bernardo Silva still mm. makes it for me. Um, but at the end of the day, we do know that Messi will be there because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, Messi. Messi. it's Messi. Ronaldo, maybe uh, he will be top five, definitely. But we don't know whether he's going to crack top three. Um, but I do expect the list to almost stay the same. Maybe Ronaldo out, someone else in. Uh, yeah. And uh, like you say, it's easy to make the case for attacking players because yeah. you just look at the goals that they're scoring. Mm. But when you're looking at now, Okay, Edison or Allison, sorry, uh, he was Golden Glove, you know, yeah. for the league. 
um, also in the copper. Also in the copper. Yeah. So and just the thing, the difference that a goalkeeper makes in the team, you know, it's huge. Yeah. It's it's a huge difference, but you can't really quantify it as much as a striker is going to get you a hat trick every three games or get you fifty goals or whatever. So I really want to see Allison getting up there. You know, we haven't seen a goalkeeper get up there since Noya. Uh, but I really want to see Allison get uh, hitting that top three, and I think it's going to be fair for football. You know, uh, reward the players who actually played well in that season instead of yeah. saying, "Okay, Messi's been there for ten years. You know, let's give him another one because he is Messi." You know, uh, I'd have to bring in Sadio Mane, yeah. but I also don't see him winning it. Uh, not only is African. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Like that conspiracy <laughs> chat. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, as an African player to win that thing, you have to do over, yeah. over and yeah. above, you know. But that's why for me it didn't make sense when Modric won and then like, but I think Ronaldo had a better season, yeah. whatever. So I'd have to bring in Sadio Mane, but I do think that Van Dijk still takes it. Mm-hmm. And it's just that we kind of have three footballers from the same team for top three. Yeah. Because you know? now Allison has won a lot of trophies. Okay, you can, did it. You know? Yeah, you know, yeah. I'd have to say my name, Van Dyke, Allison. Mm-hmm. My top. Not the best at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, Messi, Messi was the top goal scorer in Europe, but that's something we've sort of come to expect every season from him. Yeah. Yeah. If we're being honest, um, he did have an outstanding football season, but all the time, what 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 we differentiate Messi from in seasons where he does win, it's just that he does that and he wins major trophies yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You know? okay. So for me this year, because he didn't win those major trophies and there are other players who actually gave him a tough time. Mm-hmm. You know, the 4-0, I won't forget Sadio Mane's performance. Yeah. The 4-0, mm-hmm. it was unbelievable. Even though Rig is the person who, you know, was so shocked as all. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but Sadio Mane had a solid UEFA Champions League, mm-hmm. solid AFCON as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unfortunate that he lost to Real Madrid, but uh, I would obviously advocate for Sadio Mane. But if we have to be fair, who who would have to take it based on accolades collected and whatnot? It'd have to be Alisson. Say, so okay, take the Ballon d'Or, bro. We've won a lot of trophies, we've won a lot of individual trophies as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luka Modric did the same last season. You yeah. Know? He won that UEFA. He won um, the silver, the silver trophy in the World Cup. Yeah. Like, and it's a great show for you. Know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'd say based on that and for consistency's sake, mm-hmm. Anderson for the Ballon d'Or. Okay. Okay. Right. Let's hop on then to the UEFA Super Cup. So that uh, happened earlier yeah. this week. <laughs> on Wednesday, it was Chelsea-Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. It was a 2-2 draw, and Liverpool ended up winning on penalties with the hero of the day being Adrian, the, old, the former West Ham goalkeeper. You know, this guy, uh, two weeks before the season started, had no club. He was training alone in Seville, <clears throat> and he got the call from Klopp to come through and say, we need a backup keeper. Two weeks later, he saved the penalty that won them yeah. the Super Cup. So that's a fun fact for you guys at home. Mm. What are your reactions though to the actual game? Yeah, look, before the Chelsea fans uh, <laughs> jump in, I just want to say Chelsea is really, really good. Like Chelsea Great. is really, really good. I think Chelsea is going to be a phenomenal team this year. I think maybe 
look and they played very well they outplayed manchester united uh, if we're being honest uh, they played very very well just that um, you know when you're the best club in the world you know how to <laughs> to win certain games but they played very well and i think ngolo is going to to be very instrumental uh, to chelsea and maybe it might, it might have been the difference in in the opener so i mean although you have lost the first two as uh, as frank lampard i probably look at it i'm like i have a very good squad i have a very promising squad and we don't know what the ceiling is yes uh, but i mean you can sort of say okay they're definitely not winning the league and but you can sort of say they're definitely not falling below top five so i think chelsea is a is a very good squad i expect them to to win like a lot of games out look overall i was quite impressed i think i was more impressed with uh, chelsea than i was with uh, liverpool i just really thought liverpool was just a championship team they came in they did what they had to do and then got the job done. But I, I really think it was in Chelsea's hands the whole, the whole, the whole time. Like, it was within reach. And yeah. I think Chelsea, I'm, I'm very surprised. I think Chelsea is a, it's a very good team. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't surprised when I saw Chelsea taking on Liverpool the way they did. Yeah. First of all, I think, I think Chelsea has a better midfield over Liverpool. I mean, you're playing with Henderson and Milner, there's really nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. you know, but you, you know, they're the kind of players that the youngsters like Trent and Robertson look to for that commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And now, so in your midfield, the most creative players, Fabinho, who's mostly your defending midfield. That's yeah. why I look at what I'm saying. So I, I, do, I knew for a fact that once Molo mm. um, Kante comes in, because I, I didn't think that he was match fit, I yeah. was surprised so Kante have the likes of Jorginho, who's actually a better passer, you know, then yeah. I think, you know, James Henderson in terms of going forward. So I did think that Liverpool, Chelsea do have a good chance. I also thought that if Aspili and Emerson are disciplined enough to know when to track back Mane mm. and Salah, mm. you know, to make a lot more difficult for Liverpool. Um, also, I think that, you know, Pulisic is going to have a great season with Chelsea yeah. this year. Um, I was surprised by Giroud's performance. I think it's for Dyke. I didn't expect that. Because, you know? yeah. I mean, I think most of the balls in the air, Giroud was actually winning. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not surprised by that. But I did think, I also think that Chelsea will have a good season. Yeah. I don't think they outplayed Man United. I think their first half, in the first opening minutes, they outplayed us. Yeah. And I think on, like, Lampard's tactics this season will take the team far, mm. for sure. Because the way that Aspilicueta and Emerson join the attack for the crosses, the way that Kovacic and Jorginho can link up. You know, we are seeing promises. I think that when Golo Kant is fully fit, you know, it's going yeah. to start owning midfields in important games, you know, just like against Liverpool. So I do think Frank Lampard and the team will go very far. Yeah. I don't think they deserve to win against Liverpool. You know, yeah. I mean, if we are being fair, Liverpool is a better team. Mm-hmm. Liverpool does have, you know, people that know how to punish the mistakes that you make, you know. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, there's some goals they should have taken that they didn't, yeah. in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it always boils down to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they tried their best, yeah. man. Taking it to try it I still think they deserve to lose both games. <laughs> Sunday as well. Maybe yeah. not 4 0, but mm. I don't think that they did play yeah. better than Man United yeah. holistically. Mm. Uh okay. It's answered now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um look, uh same thing as uh, last week. Um we played a great game. Uh that's undoubtedly truth we played a great game we just you know we lack that you see that striker's mentality when you in the box you know get to this position because you know you expect the ball to come here and yeah. the ball does get there so i think we lack that a bit um 
Abraham did have some chances that he didn't bury within regulation time and in in extra time. Mm. Uh, and it was just because of poor positioning, you know. But he is a young player. He will get there. Giroud played well uh, against a very good defence. Um, but also, we must look at the fact that we were playing a Liverpool side that didn't play Trent Alexander-Arnold starting. You know, they didn't play um, Mane starting because <coughs> they... St- uh, no, they started with Mane. They didn't play for Firmino starting. Yeah, yeah. They started with Chamberlain up front, you know, who's also coming back from an injury. Um, so it wasn't really Liverpool's best team on the day, yeah. but we did give them a run and we saw something from Chelsea. In these last two games, I've seen something from Chelsea that I didn't see the whole of last season. Mm. Uh, a team that's going to fight, you know, mm. and they go out there, they fight for the results. Even if they're down, their heads don't go down and now they just pass the ball around all the time. They're getting into the box, they're taking the shots, you know, even if it's not going in, but you're fighting and you're making that constant effort to try and score. Mm. And I think going forward, Things will go right, you know. It's not a thing of you're going to lose every game, but yeah. you're going to fight. And I don't want it to be that season where you see them fighting every single game, but the results just aren't in our favour, you know. Then we come here every Sunday and we say, yo, <laughs> but the results wasn't in our favour. Um, but yeah, it was a great game. Um, you know, I don't doubt the boy for missing the penalty, you know. Mm. Like it, for, happens, it, it happens. It happens, yeah. you know. Everyone misses penalties. Messi missed a penalty in a Copa, in a Copa final. Didn't uh, have to bring up Messi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll just say, even the best of the best miss penalties. Frank has missed penalties before. Yeah. So, you know, it's something that something that he's going to learn from. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, like, written, written him out of my books. So, yeah, man. Chelsea will do reasonably well this season um also we need to realize that we were playing without rudiger yeah who's one of our best defenders maybe the best defender we have we we're playing without william also uh so you know when those players come back into the team and things are now mm. we're getting into the groove of things people know each other uh Kante is fully fit i feel a uh, reverse leg against united will win 3-1 uh, can i just ask <laughs> <laughs> um what's that on is he injured or is he out of the? Uh, I think no, no. He's he's just not in the favor of Frank. Yeah, yeah. Simple as simple. simple. You know, the new manager comes in. He likes yeah. the one who's been benching. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I enjoyed about this game was finding how Frank played in Golo Kante mm. in that midfield. So. Does that now put to rest the whole conversation of Golo's best position is to just play where Jorginho is playing? Or, or what? What makes Frank's decision to put in there different from Sarri's decision? I think it's the way that both the approach that both managers have to the game. You know, uh, Sarri's a more okay pass, pass, pass. Let's knit it together. Pass, 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 pass. And uh, Frank is a more okay. Yes, we will pass the ball around, mm. but we're going forward, and this is our final goal. We want to go score the goal. Uh, with Sari, it was more of like, okay, we'll pass, we'll pass, and we'll get there slowly. If we don't get there, then um, Kante is there in the front now, and we don't have the ball, yeah. and we try to backtrack, and now there's no one at the back. Yeah. Um, with Frank, it's more fast-paced, you know, mm. and you see what's happening, and if we lose the ball, fine, cool, we just track back. Mm. Uh, I think, tactically, Frank plays him better than Sari, even though they're playing in the same position, mm. but it's just also the approach. Uh, it didn't fit. I can't say in that position didn't really fit Sari's approach to the game. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Because also, if you check out the way Lampard's playing, I'm sort of like at Juventus when Matuidi would 
press into the meat, you know, mm. that 4 for mm. 2 of theirs. So you see that as much as Kante is also meant to be an attacking midfielder, it's more about the press and the lines and mm. be able to cut the build-up play that we all know Liverpool for, you know, yeah. like how can he distract Liverpool's midfield from the mm. other side, you know, combination that Van Dijk could be getting with Henderson and so on. So I completely agree with Jimmy that I think it boils down to tactics as well. I mean, Sadly, sadly, Paul, at some point, I, I thought that Jorginho was the playmaker. You know, and I was watching yeah. the team, I think, oh, wow, it's the CDM, the playmaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, I mean, it's it's different philosophies. I personally am in love with Frank Lambert's philosophies. Mm. I think that also is a courageous coach, you know. Yeah. One thing I have to back him on is that he hasn't come out being pessimistic, you know, trying mm-hmm. to justify his football. He's just doing what he has to do. Takes takes huge losses yeah. and continues playing the same system, you know. So I don't know. But I mean he is still going out there mm. using the same system until things come together. And you can see the players are actually getting into it. You yeah. Know? Mm. I think Tony Abraham, once he finds his rhythm, yeah. would be a very dangerous mm. striker. You know, I mean we saw this with Marcus Rashford as well yeah. at first. And he's still also still trying to find his rhythm, you know, young players, you know. Yeah. So with Rashford we saw okay, obviously when he first came out scoring goals against Arsenal, well, that's huge. But now when you play in ninety minutes or so like when you now the person looking to yeah. to put the ball back, it's yeah. not as easy anymore, yeah. you know. Because now people are actually watching, you've got class class defenders on your back, mm. like Sir Virgil van Dijk. So yeah. I mean, I think once the boy matures, will get into it, and he'll give you a lot of competition. Yeah, I, I, look, I think you, you gents are right. It really comes down to a different in uh, philosophy. And frankly, looks like a player's coach, man. Looks like a, like like a coach that a player would wouldn't question too much. Would come out and say, okay, I wanna play uh, for this guy. Let me see if this can can work. So. It, it does have that um, that fact, and I think he has that advantage over over Sari. So I think even the players would be very patient with him. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think yeah. we'll ever see yeah. even the media being harsh. Also, is from England, so <laughs> like how the English media, I don't think would be very harsh on him as well. I mean, I, I think you're right. It's just two first uh, huge losses, but I mean now the fixtures will sort of like settle in a bit. They'll get more favorable fixtures. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the players are coming up. Uh, they should get fixtures that they should win and I mean I, I don't think we should um, criticize them too much because of chemistry issues as well a new coach just came in it's a relatively new squad they still need yeah. to to click and as final was saying they don't have their best defender their best middle defender still just coming in and still just settling in for the season um, so look I think they just need time first five six games and then We'll see what happens. I, I still like, expect them to be a bit shaky, yeah. but I mean, I think once you're approaching like ten games into the season, yeah. I think they'll look very. The results will come. Yeah. yeah. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move over to the Premier League now. So we saw yesterday Tottenham took out Man City at the Etihad, mm. and they drew two-two. And everyone's favorite VAR system saved the day for Tottenham. So I read the stat actually just the other day last season. If VAR was in effect the way it is today, last season, uh, Man City would have lost the league to Liverpool by one point. So the question mm. is, how big of an impact will VAR have on the yeah. Premier League now going forward? I mean, the impact is going to be huge, yeah. uh, obviously, as we are seeing now. Two points down already. And look, I think before we, we dive into this too much, uh, 
and because we sort of like when you're saying that stat about them winning uh, not winning the league sort mm. of like questions that wait uh, is it because everyone's saying no it's not fair because Jesus as well after the game was said no it's mm. not fair mm-hmm. um, like this VR thing is uh, and use the magic word um, so I really really think uh, it makes the best team win uh, mm. it makes uh, the game fair mm. what we should look towards the silly handball rules let's let's fix those mm. but VR itself as a system I don't think it's an issue it all make, always makes sure that you don't go out of a game feeling cheated I mean City is a very good team mm. uh, Tottenham is not a bad team at all as well, but City is a very good team. It's not like every game that they have will be handed down to them. I'm sure even with that stat, it's just that it's just how competitive the league, the league chase was between Liverpool and City. So it's not like City was given like a whole bunch of games. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the games that they won, overwhelming majority of them, they'll still win either yeah. way with mm-hmm. or without VAR. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I, although I think it's going to make a huge impact in terms of like deciding is as we saw in like the top six games mm-hmm. tend to be close and they tend to be those. Uh, silly things that the, the refs might not catch but I think overall it makes the game better and look yesterday was a handball I mean now the, 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 the rules are saying it doesn't matter whether it's intentional or not it doesn't matter if you uh, taking your arm away from uh, your body like you make sure that your arm is part of your body it doesn't matter it's a handball it's a handball as long as it touches the hand that's what they are saying at least so I don't think that's a problem at all let's just work on the rules and Live VR alone. I don't think it's a it's very it's a bad system at all. Yeah. Um. The only thing I can fault VR on is just slowing the game down. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But besides that, um, you making it fair for everyone. Uh. Obviously, the ref won't see everything. We're all human. Mm. So there is that. Okay. Here's this system that's gonna look at this and look at that. Mm. And like every other rule change, you know, these things happen. They'll get used to it as time goes mm. on. You know, they introduced goal line technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people weren't happy at first, you know. But yeah. yeah, now it's just it's the norm in football. Mm-hmm. So VAR, we will become accustomed to it. Um, it makes the game more exciting. It does, online. definitely does. Um, yeah, so I don't really fault it. Uh, it is here to stay, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just looking at that game yesterday, City had 30 shots and they scored two goals. Yeah. Tottenham at three shots and they scored two goals, you know. And their third shot was that Harry Kane one from yeah, the halfway yeah. line. Yeah, so, I mean, and Harry Kane was just played out of the game completely. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he was nowhere to be seen. But, yeah, um, VAR, I'm, I'm, I don't doubt it. Uh, I'm for it. Yeah. yeah. If it helps, it helps. If it doesn't, oh well. <laughs> City loses the league, so. Yeah, it's just the league. Yeah. <laughs> Small things. Uh, I'm in love with VR for one thing. It has all these debates always used to have, you know. Yeah. It's like, guys, listen, this is what happened according to the rules. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there must be like criteria to the handball, you know. It's like, because usually FIFA has this unfair advantage criteria mm-hmm. that they look like, for instance, that's why back passes are not allowed, that's why yeah. offsides are not allowed. It's like it's an unfair advantage when you're under pressure. So I think yesterday's game, the handball, I wouldn't have a problem with because when I was looking at it from Laporte's hand mm. if his hand was not there it would have gone to the Spurs player Giovanni yeah. and I don't think Jesus would have gotten the ball which would have resulted in a goal which then that makes it an unfair advantage mm-hmm. but I think it's unfair that each and every time the ball hits a hand it's a hand ball it's, it's, you know it's, it's like remember just to clarify on. it's if the ball hits the hand while you're attacking, while you're attacking and, and that chance leads to a goal the goal is disallowed I had a better cover. I'm fine with that. It's unfair. Yeah. 
to keep your hands on this. <laughs> but I mean, I mean but it's, it's, it's it's sort of a huge adjustment because now it's saying that uh, look, if 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 maybe uh, you're like in 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 like your middle fold and still just building up to play, mm. like those sort of things can yeah. sort of like look personal and it wasn't really intentional, blah blah yeah. blah. But now when you're in the box, because everyone if it's corner set pieces, everyone comes back to defend. Yeah. Now you sort of have to make that adjustment. Look, yeah. they are professionals and we expect them to do these types yeah. of thing, but. It's a huge adjustment. It is. It's, it's, it's a, a huge, huge adjustment. A huge it's job. like you are being asked to play with different rules when you are in certain motions, <laughs> and you are being asked to apply different rules yeah. when you're in certain motions. It's it's a huge adjustment. Just have something that's going to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. the pace of the game as well in the long run, which is what we are returns the most. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. now, what about these competitive games? So you know, it's like four four. Yeah. You know, like mm. think of all those breaks that they are in between yeah. if you if we could have had a game like that for instance i think that's i'm like lying lucky for city though eh? yeah girls <laughs> like oh my yeah, god yeah. these guys yeah let's actually yeah. talk about the actual game now, yeah. tottenham and city so city unlucky at the end of the day i mean 30 shots against yeah. the three Listen, man. I think they were unlucky as a club. Mm. The chess striker was fighting with the cold. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday was just not their day. In terms of on field, I don't, I don't really want to say they were unlucky in the sense that I think Spurs put away the chance that they got. Yeah. You know? yeah. Spurs put away the chance that they got, and I think also City, City sort of did lost the shape of their defense. If you if you check mm. where, like Lamela's goal was careless. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The keeper yeah. was not like the keeper was caught off guard. Mm-hmm. The defenders were caught off guard, and I think they were so fixated with attacking yeah. that they forgot that okay, guys. At the end of the day, you know, you can't just go forward while right? not yeah. locking the door at the back, and you know, because even the goal, Lucas Moura, the sh- one of the, the shortest. The corner, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's like straight, and he just came in. Just came in. Yeah, Callous mm-hmm. as well. So I think you know. I wouldn't really say unlucky because mm. if if they had been disciplined, you know, being a team with shape, being a team with structure, both offensively and defensively, they probably would have won two 0 two one. But then at the end of the day, you know, they were their own missing, yeah. you know. So I think Spurs deserve the point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit indifferent. I thought Tottenham was a bit scrappy, yeah. uh, so I I don't think they had ownership in the game at. At any point, really, I, mm. I don't think they should have um, gotten away with uh, with anything from that game. Um, Kevin De Bruyne was was amazing, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think if Aguero stayed on, mm. you you'd have given uh, Aguero something more. Because um, I don't know, I think, I mean, it's they both get their goals, uh, Jesus and Aguero. But yeah. I think with Aguero and Sterling there, they stretch out uh, the defense Sterling too much. The season, eh? Yes, and. Sort of, uh, Jesus sort of like wants to come into the box the whole time, and Aguero is more technical with how he, uh, he approaches, like whether he's coming in to sort of like get his step in, or he's, he can come in with the ball as well. I think Aguero is a more versatile striker than Jesus, so I think they probably win the game if they keep him on. Plus, De Bruyne was just uh, supplying like yeah. straight from the jump. So, yeah. look, Tottenham looked too scrappy for me, and. Defensively, they did a very good job on Harry Kane. Yeah. Um, I mean, they took him out of the game oh, completely, yeah. completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it, like the shot you were mentioning, he had to resort to that <laughs> at some point. Mm-hmm. So they played very well to to come in, neutralize uh, their most uh, deadly attack, which mm-hmm. is Harry Kane, and then sort of like deal with Ericsson as well. He wasn't really controlling the game. Uh, they make sure that they pressed high. So, I mean, Ericsson can't exactly get the ball and then attack is not very, it's not, it's not a runner. It doesn't have uh, 
pace like that. So I, th- mm. I thought they did well in that instant. I mean, they neutralized what they had to, but I mean, at the end of the day, you might just take your chances and yeah. you yeah. get the points yeah. that you get. But I don't think they deserve uh, anything from that game compared to what City yeah. was able to do. Maybe you can just say City was sloppy and they should have taken their chances as well and mm. like punish uh, a scrappy looking Tottenham side because mm. I definitely don't think Tottenham played their games best game by no, far no, by far so I don't know I don't think they deserve anything from that game look no matter who the keeper is if you're taking 30 shots you can't be scoring less than 10% of those mm. you know you're scoring 2 out of the 30 shots that you take mm. with a world <laughs> cl- you got yeah. a world class attack and you're only scoring 2 out of the 30 um, I think they were just poor in taking their chances mm. Um, but also defensively, we need to realize that they were playing Otamendi instead of Stones and Laporte. Yeah. So it was Otamendi and, and Laporte, who don't usually play together. Yeah. So maybe that that's where some of the issues came. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, you are professionals. And when you get into the field, it has to be business as usual. It can't be, oh, I don't play with him. So there's that lack of communication, this and that. Um, I feel Spurs were lucky in that game. Yeah. Yeah, Spurs were very lucky in that game, especially with the second goal from Moira. Mm. You don't, no coach makes a sub saying, okay, he's going to come in just before the corner and he's the shortest person he's going to score. Mm. You know, either were just lack of defensive awareness from Man City's side, but it was a great game yeah. all around. Uh, yeah, it was a great game of football. I just expected more from City. Why does it support just be tactic? Did this against <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, uh, who's this? I think it was Walker on him. I mean, yeah, Walker should have got it that time. Yeah. I don't know. I maybe he's coming in. Maybe he's coming in. Walker's still making that adjustment. But okay, where am I picking up? I mean, maybe they're not sure Laporte was supposed to yeah. be supposed to pick up. But I don't know, man. It was just it was just sloppy and it was like uh, like Fanny was saying, they got lucky. Honestly, they got really lucky. But Sun is coming back next week, so yeah. we'll see what happens when that man comes back. So with the return of Sun coming in, and obviously with what we've seen from them this this season so far, and the fact that they made the Champions League final last season, is Tottenham now good enough to close that gap between them and City and Liverpool? No. <laughs> I don't quite see yeah. it because, you know, like... So I think why Man United and why teams like Man U and Spurs aren't, aren't like as strong as City and Liverpool is like it's not really the big games where they struggle yeah. 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 it's those games against your Southamptons yeah. and then you know where you drop those crucial points that you should be picking up yeah. give Liverpool a team like that you know they dispatch them at least 2-0 mm. all the time 2-0, 3-0, 4-0 City comes through they'll even give you a 5-0 on a good day <laughs> yeah. you know so I, I don't quite see it for Spurs but I, I will not lie to you I mean every every time you watch Spurs you can't you can't you can't rule them out can't rule them out. On paper, they have a good team as of Dele Alli, Son, mm-hmm. Kane, Eriks, you know, that's, but I don't quite, like, I don't see them finishing third, for instance. Yeah. Spurs is a very, is a very, very funny team, man, because, I mean, last season, they were a lock for, for third, at least, I mean, uh, yeah. were, I think there was a point in, in the build-up where they weren't out of the, of the league race, but I mean, you wouldn't, um, they wouldn't in the league race per se, but you wouldn't really count them out since there's no way that they're not mm-hmm. winning it, like we are doing with uh, Chelsea and uh, Manchester United. But I don't think, I don't think it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a full conclusion that you can't count them in that top three. I just think we need to see how Son looks when he's coming back because I mean, I don't know, contrary to, to what uh, MK is saying, I think. 
Spurs as peers where they win all their games, like the games that they need to win, they sort of like deal with the small teams as well. And then the last 10 games of the season, draws, draws, <laughs> they give games away, yeah. they go uh, maybe away with two, right. the two uh, top four teams mm. and they lose that as well. So they sort of give it away, I don't know man, but I think at some point they have to have some experience. At some point, they have to say, we've been doing this for the last two, three seasons. Yeah. We lost the league uh, to Leicester, which I thought they should have won that year. Maybe it's that thing, like, it's a build-up to, to it, to say, hey, look, man, Liverpool doesn't look untouchable. Uh, they, they, they've been, I mean, from the Chelsea game, personally, I don't think Liverpool looks yeah. very untouchable. I think uh, Robinson and uh, Trent are going to be very exposed defensively, because that uh, Liverpool young, uh, that uh, Chelsea young attack. Mm. I mean, it's very unpredictable and they just keep coming at you. Mm. So I think Robinson and Trent are going to be very exposed as the league goes on. But we'll, we'll see what happens. But I don't think that that far off. Just that ah, they're just a funny team. I don't know what happens to them. They're just a very funny team. Look, for me, I just, Spurs just lacks consistency for me. Yeah. You know? um, like MK is saying, they'll win those big games, but then you drop points at Norwich. Uh, you'll drop points at Southampton, you know, um, and it's gonna be a last-minute goal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like end of last season, I think they lost three out of their last five games, or they drew three mm-hmm. or something like that. But they dropped a lot of points in that final stretch, um, and they're just not convincing for me because besides this previous uh, Champions League run, mm-hmm. even in domestic competitions, you don't see Spurs get into the finals, you know. Yeah. So they're not really convincing where we have this winning mentality of we want to win trophies. Um, you know, because it will start with FA Cup. It will start with the League Cup, you know. Sure, yeah. Those easy things where you can play uh, a team in the third division, second division, and you have a good run and you make it. But yeah. now if you have to play 38 games in the league where you're playing each team twice, um, and you can't, if you can't win a FA Cup or a League Cup, I don't see you winning the league, you know. Yeah, uh, it's a build-up. Yeah, Champions League, yes, they got far, but I don't see them doing that again this season. I don't even see them being semi finalists this season. Because even Champions League, if we remember, you know, Ajax, we all shot yeah. him, Ajax lost the game. Yeah. It's one of those things that don't mm. happen that often in football, you know. Hatlex like Morris, it's not that common. <laughs> yeah, <sure>. so, <laughs> getting away with City, getting yeah. away with yeah. Ajax, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. But I mean, I don't know, uh, even Real, Real Madrid's. Um, Three years stretched when they won uh, repeat uh, the Champions League. Yeah. The way games against Bayern, really yeah, the Bayern games, very shaky. <laughs> so I think I think that's football, man. Yeah, I think yeah. it happens. You get your your lucky breaks there and there. Mm. Just I don't know, like finalist things, consistency, man. I don't know if we blame Poch or it's just it's a small club mentality. Maybe they don't see themselves as uh, yeah. those types of teams. But I mean, as time goes on, if you finish second in the league, you go to a Champions League final. Yeah, you have to shake it off. At some point, you have to you have to be okay and say, "Oh, we can actually win the Champions League." Like it's something that we're capable of. Uh, we had a game where Real Madrid was at their peak. We were outplayed them in a group stage match. Although, I mean, it's a group stage match, but it's still Real Madrid. We're still the defending champions. I mean, you have gathered enough momentum to sort of shake this small club mentality. But I mean. They look, just do what Arsenal does and remain a small club. I don't know. Look, man, if there's no trophies in the trophy cabinet to inspire you, <laughs> then you're not going to win anything. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it's just tough. a North London thing. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. So, real quick, before we wrap up the Premier League, Chelsea takes on Leicester today and United takes on Wolves tomorrow. Just a quick one, two word answer from you guys. 
Chelsea. who's winning today and who's winning tomorrow. Start with them, okay, go. Chelsea, do you know? Uh, man, because I think Kwane wants to prove a point with his defense that away to an attacking team like Wolves and Martin, mm. I think we'll be fighting for the clean sheet, you know, to prove 80 million as well. You know, so I'd, I'd say man you two one Martin you. Uh, Wolves I do the Wolves will score, you know. Mm. But United two one and Martin you Chelsea two new. Okay. Uh Chelsea two one. I'm just not convinced with our defense just yet, but we're gonna win two one. And Wolves one no tomorrow. Okay. Um really? Chelsea for new I'm just kidding. I, I think I think they're winning. I, I don't see Leicester having uh, enough <coughs> defensive mentality to stop. Um, I mean, they just lost uh, uh, Harry Maguire, which is yeah. arguably the <laughs> best defender in the league. Wow. Uh, well, but that's a conversation. But that's where it is. So I think Chelsea gets it done. Um, I think a two-one score. Uh, actually, a two-nil score. I think they'll they'll keep a clean sheet. I don't see Leicester scoring. And uh, look. Uh, the Monday fix is the tough one. We lost both uh, both games, but as like you're saying, Ole sh- should be out to, to prove a point. So I, I can see us winning maybe three one. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't forget you got four, so Wolves can easily get three. <laughs> okay, well I'm saying Frank Lampard's homecoming ends with the win, two uh, one, okay. and two two at Molyneux tomorrow. Wow. Okay, let's move on. So then. you think Wolves will do better than Chelsea? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as long as you're saying Wolves are a better team, then that's it. No, I said they'll fine. do better. It doesn't make them a better team. Ah, okay. Just okay. that they'll do better. You I'm know? saying they're taking three points. <laughs> 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 oh, but then to La Liga. It kicked off on Friday night. Barcelona taking an L. And Real Madrid actually coming through with a win yesterday. And Atletico Madrid playing today. Now, it's a new look at Atletico Madrid. They've had a big uh, shake-up. Yeah. We've seen their back line revamped all, all along. Um, Kieran Trippi is coming from Tottenham, which is still a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the likes of Felipe Luiz have gone. Um, Diego Godin is also gone. What should we expect from Atletico Madrid this season? Yeah, in the league at least. No, I think uh, they'll still be up there top three. Um, Simeon is a great coach. He can get the most out of his players on any given day. Um, yeah, defensively they have lost some pillars there, mm. but also they've beefed up the attack. You know, they've got Jean Felix, um, who's a great, who's a great boy, and he's only 19 years old, but he's already doing things that Griezmann was doing last season uh, and previous seasons, even though they have lost Griezmann. But I see them still being up there at the top in the top three. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of that's sort of that's sort of like no surprises. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe Barcelona is just maybe that good. Uh, maybe it's the presence of Messi that we don't see them uh, going over the top. But I think, look, it's very hard to to, to get around Messi. I mean, you come in, you'll be consistent, and you carry that team throughout uh, the whole season. But uh, I mean, I, I think they're definitely up. There. Um, I think we had a chat about this uh, last season. Mm-hmm. I was very, uh, I don't know, man. I was very unsure. I thought. Uh, that defense uh, would, would, would sort of give them issues, but I mean, if you have a if, if that type of attack, the other team also needs to worry about your attack as well. Yeah, so it's not like they will have enough time to be uh, to be attacking you as well. So it's it's a 50-50 thing, and it's funny because they look better than they were with uh, with Griezmann. I don't know. It's a funny it's a it's a funny statement to make because of 
Griezmann really did a lot for for that team. Yeah, so I don't know. I think they're still good, and I don't know. I expect them to come out third, second. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm not imagining <laughs> anyone other than Barca winning the league. Maybe it's because of Messi, but I still, I still, I still think they're a top three team, and maybe they'll contend in the Champions League. We'll see. Yeah, I also think you know top three. Ah, not too sure Barca will win the league. Mm. So it's tough. It's a tough one to say because. End of the day, Zidane does have yeah. a lot of players with him, you know, and sometimes you never know it could. That might not be a plus, also. Yeah. Yeah. Eagles. Yeah, but I mean, that's the nice thing about a coach that has won like three Ballon d'Ors. You know, I mean, yeah. you as a player that's being egotistical, you know that the coach has done more in yeah, football sure. more than you. And I think that's why the likes of Ronaldo didn't start acting up and telling them to if you do that again and I'm substituting you out, mm-hmm. you won't play for my team because he can speak yeah. that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you know the likes of Eden Hazard. You know, there'll be games where he just you know inspires the whole team by yeah. beating men. Then before you know it, you know maybe rhythms in the team, but. I would if someone had to say who's winning the league, Barca. If I had yeah. put my money on it, Barcelona. But I wouldn't really write off Real Madrid just yet, you know. And I think Atletico, obviously, with Diego Simeone, his understanding yeah. of football as well, you know, that system that's been there for years now, you know, obviously can't take Atletico mm. Madrid out of the top three. And this is why I like. Um, it's, it's very it's, it's very weird for me. This is why I. I'm liking Atletico more, uh, especially after the conversations that Jens had uh, on this podcast last week. I'm liking Atletico more because of the structure that they have. Uh, yeah. The coach has been there, although they lost some players defensively and they lost uh, their core in terms of uh, attacking the one that was sort of like leading up the attacks. But Cork is still there, uh, so that's continuity that's uh, coming in. Costa is coming back from an injury hopefully soon and then they have Morata so adds in, adds in that striker versatility I mean Costa Costa can win you any game so that, that makes them very dangerous and then you have a Real Madrid team a coach came in there's the bail issue there's uh, Hazard which needs to come in and I mean he's a professional and he's been playing at, at a high level for a long time but you still need to come in he needs to adjust uh, this Isco as well so he's been there but then now he's saying okay game time how is this uh, going to work you have an aging uh, Modric there you have Cruz who's still phenomenal but I mean he's not exactly the Cruz that he was coming out of uh, Bayern so there's just so many question marks with that team you have an aging um defense as well so Vian is still very fresh but we have uh, Ramos as well which we know he can get reckless mm. so what happens when his legs give out and he starts making uh, reckless decisions as well so I don't know man there's, there's a lot of question marks with uh, with Real Madrid compared to Atletico Madrid although they have had this new signing they just there seems to be a structure there there seems to be a coach that you can trust that they will get everything done and I mean Barca just improves which is why I have them over these two because they just sort of like add them those pieces and then they look like they're ready to make things work as soon as uh, Messi settles in and uh, admits that he's not getting Neymar and then they'll make, <laughs> they'll make things work. Well, I'll never say never. You know, Neymar yeah. might just show up. Ah, Who knows? My thing with Real Madrid <laughs> is that there's just too much politics that mm. happen in there and that takes away from the on the field things that should be happening. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, which makes me wonder if Zidane will actually be there at the end of the season hard to tell it's hard to tell but you know i suppose we'll see um so me i put atletico madrid Mm. above real madrid this season i think they're closer to barcelona in terms of challenging for la liga but the 
Barcelona side is just too strong, man. They'll probably yeah. take La Liga mm-hmm. very comfortably. It's pra- it's basically theirs at this point. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on now to the NBA season. So fixtures just got released, and the 74th season of the NBA kicks off on the 22nd of October. Uh, one of the key highlights is that there are going to be earlier start times for double headers. Mm. So that should be fun for those of us on in an entirely different time <laughs> zone. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's look at the Lakers, guys. They're taking on the Clippers in their first game. Uh, Cousins has already been ruled out. Do you think that uh, his injury ruins the Lakers' championship chances? I don't, I don't really think so. We also left Davis and LeBron. Yeah? Yeah. So I don't really see it. I mean, I think also, I think Cousins a great player and he's hundred percent fit. But any team with Anthony mm. Davis and LeBron James can still put milk and still fight. So I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't, I don't, I don't think Cousins is gonna really like give them a lot because he's not the Demarcus Cousins he was yeah. at the at Sacramento and at and at um at the Pelicans. Uh, he has, you know, the injuries have been plaguing him. You know, he hasn't been playing for a long time, and also that at the end of the day, it gets to a player's head. You know, mm. am I still the person who I was? Can I still get to where I was? And if you keep getting injured and you're missing seasons, you know, it's really not gonna affect you positively. Um, I still think the Lakers have what it takes to go all the way, uh, just because they have LeBron James. You know. Uh, without even the addition of Cousins, because if we look at last season, when before LeBron's injury, they were fourth in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Then he was out for 18 games, mm-hmm. and then they were basically ruled out. So just with LeBron being fit, if he has a good season and he plays 75 games out of the 82, I see them going mm-hmm. all the way to playoffs. Um, and once they get into playoffs, you know, we know LeBron when he gets into playoff mode. Uh, it's not just anyone who can stop him. Mm. So with that acquisition of Anthony Davies, and they have they've made these small rotation yeah. players who are going to be coming in. So I really see them going all the way. Yeah. And uh, look, I, I I think I'm mostly covered by the gents. Um, I mean, we don't get to say uh, this uh, this cousins thing is an issue if we didn't see them uh, bringing him in as something that puts them over the top. I mean, we're speaking about cousins as if he's the difference maker. So we shouldn't say it now when he gets uh, injured. Uh, I mean, they're all still going to need to be integrated. This just helps them in a way that they kick off the season and then work out the whole center issues. We play center, I think. Uh, AD likes to play at the four, but now he might need to play center. But they still have uh, Javon McGee, who can come in, come come off the bench, yeah. or he can just uh, start now, and then we see what happens when Cousin comes back. So I think this helps the coach in terms of like uh, that adjustment coming into into the season. Just that the Clippers already have something that's sort of solid. The structure is already there. A lot of the players are coming back. Um, it's only there and there. I mean, it's only. Uh, Kawhi and PG. and PG that you have to integrate into into the squad and I mean they are not uh, players that are very hard to integrate. It's not like they're very very ball dominant players. Uh, they can sort of defend and they can they're sort of like the best two way players that you can pair up together. Not so uh, yeah and not so yeah the egos. There's yeah, yeah. you shouldn't have a lot of chemistry issues. So I think I think the, I, I I like the Lakers. Uh, the same way I did uh, coming into into the season, I don't think this uh, this injury makes any difference because we didn't see it as taking them over the top in any case. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the defending champions, the Raptors, they're hosting the Pelicans in the, actually the first game of this season's NBA. Uh, 
Zion Williamson is set to debut for them in the number one. He's the number one overall draft pick in the 2019 draft. What should we expect actually from the Pelicans in this game and from the Raptors from the season going forward? Look, I see Pelicans winning that game. Uh, and this is only because they have a young team way more inexperienced than Raptors. But just the fact that Kawhi Leonard isn't at the Raptors anymore, you know, they're not the same team. Uh, without, we know what they were without Kawhi before. Um, Kawhi came in for one season and he won them. He won them a championship. Uh, I just feel like they're gonna go back to where they were before, and they don't have Demar Derozan anymore. So att- attacking wise, it's not, it's not really that great. Um, and you know, it's a Pelicans team with the number one draft pick and with young players who. Left, who was shipped out of the Lakers because mm-hmm. you know now they have something to prove. You know uh, we're not playing under LeBron's yeah. shadow anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's do something for our careers, mm-hmm. and I really think that they can uh, beat the Raptors in opening day. I mean, it's, it's it's the NBA and anything can happen. But I think we really forget how good um, that uh, Raptors team was, uh, especially when the load management thing started coming in mm-hmm. and. Uh, Kawhi set out a lot of games, and yeah. they won a lot of games that he, he was sitting out. So, I like them in that game. Uh, I think Pascal Siakam can sort of fill in uh, the gaps. Uh, I mean, we must remember from the finals as well. I mean, I don't like Kyle Lowry at all, but I think he's, 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 he's a very solid player and can facilitate uh, the attack going forward. Obviously, he has uh, defensive issues. Uh, but I still, I still like Pascal Siakam still there. Sergi Park, I think, is coming back as well. So I mean, they're still, they're still, they're still quite good. So I expect them to sort of have that thing. You know, we're still champions. Uh, opening night, let's just get it done. I expect them to have that uh, type of mentality. And it's going to be a very interesting season for the Raptors. I mean, yeah. you, you before that, you were sort of fed uh, this monster in LeBron that you had to worry about in the East yeah. was knocking you out year in year out. And then he leaves, get a reinforcement in Kawhi, which is arguably the top three, top four players in the NBA when he was coming into in, into your squad, coming off that injury. You were patient with him, you rested him well, and he played very well, and it paid off fully. Yeah. But now he leaves you. <laughs> uh, but now you don't have to worry about LeBron anymore. You have to worry about Yanis maybe. Uh, but I mean, it's not a it's not a it's not a very uh, bad look for them in terms of where they are now. Plus that they were able to retain. Um, I think they lost um, Danny Green to Danny Green to the Lakers, so that that's a huge blow on on their side. But I, I still I still like them as uh, as a team going forward, especially in in the East, which looks which looks a bit open. I mean, you have two teams that you really need to worry about in the Sixers and uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks, and then we still need to see how uh, how Boston comes together with Kemba Walker. But I expect them to be better and. We're not really expecting a lot from the Nets mm. uh, in terms of we need to wait for KD to come back. So I think, I think overall the Raptors would have a very good season. I, I don't think they have huge obstacle. Mm. And um, hey man, as the champions, you have to at least win opening night. We understand what you've been through, but at least win opening night and get us those Christmas games and win one at least. So yeah. I expect them to win. Yeah. Do you see Raptors making playoffs? No. In the East? Yeah. Easy. Oh. Easy. Easy. <laughs> I think they can. Because I think they are what there's the seventh and eighth seed that's sort of open to almost every team. And if we are putting them, saying they're having a bad season, we're putting them in that uh, in that whole core, then I think they make the playoffs. I mean, I think they're sort of like first to fifth is sort of decided. Those will be the very very strong team. But I mean, 
Worst case scenario, they finish what seven seed. I think they make the the, the 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 playoffs. I don't think they go very far mm. into the playoffs. But I mean, it's it's the East, and KD is not there, so that means one less team to worry about. I mean, mm. I don't think the Brooklyn Nets without uh, KD is better than the the Raptors. I don't think so. What about Kyrie? Kyrie, yeah. Just Kyrie, <laughs> and that's it. But they made playoffs last season without those players, and now you have players who come in and they literally only got rid of D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a, that's a very good point, but I don't know. I I think I I genuinely think they're still they're still a better team. It's just it's Kyrie, and I think Kyrie is going to need KD a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to need KD a lot, and I mean the Sixers and the Boston Celtics look very good as well. So I don't I don't, I don't think I don't think uh, the Brooklyn Nets are exactly a lock for top three. Probably finish like what fifth if. If KD yeah. doesn't come back at all, they probably finish like fifth, sixth, mm-hmm. and the Raptors can sort of finish there with them. Okay. Yeah. Finally, you already said you picture the Lakers going all the way. Who's taking them there? Um, who's taking them? Yeah, there? who's who's going up against them when they get to the end? <sighs> that's that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the East is it's very open. I won't lie. Yeah. Um, just the fact that uh, Kevin Durant won't be playing. So the East is very open, uh, but I see. I think Milwaukee needs to, if they start the way they played last season, I think they can get to the finals this season. Um, Boston, I don't think so because they've lost Al Horford, they've lost yeah. Kyrie. Uh, yes, Kyrie, there were issues there, but I don't see them, you know, getting over that hurdle. Uh, the Seventy Sixers have something to prove. So my top two picks would probably be Milwaukee Bucks and 76ers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I think you, I think once LeBron left, obviously it opened up uh, a yeah. huge hole, and with Kawhi coming in, it was sort of able to take advantage of that because mm-hmm. the teams were unsure. Uh, the Bucks for the first time. I mean, you, you don't take that uh, big of a leap. You don't yeah. go from losing first round series to being in the finals, the yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes time, uh, so they're sort of like settling into their own. Uh, Yanis is the MVP now, so now he has uh, expectations. We'll see how he does with that. Uh, the Boston Celtics wanted to get rid of Kyrie, is out now, uh, so that we'll see what that young court does. Uh, then, what the third, fourth year, so the solid NBA players now, so we'll see how, how they fare out. So, I don't know, man, I think the success. Uh, definitely have something to prove and I see them coming out of the out of the east but I, mean, I don't know man it's tough because I mean with a healthy and beat uh, yeah. they, they can definitely get to the finals but I don't know I, I don't see him being healthy mm. through and through but I mean I think they have the Sixers have enough uh, but then between the Bucks and the Sixers I think it's very tough to say at, at this point yeah. you think uh, everyone is wrong to write out the Warriors as contenders definitely. this season I mean, it's not like we don't have Stephen Curry. It's not like yeah. we don't yeah. have Clay Thompson. It's not like D'Angelo Russell won't come in and try to do something differently for the team. I mean, we've only really lost. I mean, KT is a huge loss. Yeah. Of course, KT is a huge loss. But I mean, it's not like the team's got no chance at all. You know what I mean? An on-form Stephen Curry can give you something that you've never seen before. An 
one yeah. from Kate Thompson, you know. Those are players that can still contain. I mean, Draymond Green as well, you know. So I think I think it's unfair. I wouldn't say that, you know. I mean, we we amongst the favorites. Mm-hmm. If I had to choose a team that's going to win the championship this year, I'd say Lakers. You know, yeah. Obviously, but mm-hmm. for me, they're the favorites. I wouldn't really put Golden State amongst the favorites. But I think it's unfair to write off the team and I. Look, um, I think this season is going to be a huge test on Steve Kerr as a coach. Yeah. Uh, because. Yes, when he came in, they weren't the best team, but they had good supporting players, you know. Um, and then they got KD, who's a great player. But now they lost KD, and they don't have that supporting cast anymore. It's just a couple of players that they brought in. Um, like it does, I don't see how the roster is going to shape up, really. But uh, it's going to be a real test on Steve Kerr. Like, okay, now this is the team you have. Do something with it, you know. Clay Thompson's going to be injured yeah. for the first, I don't know how many games. Uh, he's going to miss a huge portion, though. Um, Draymond Green just signed a new uh, contract extension, so he has something to prove. Uh, Clay, when he comes back, he has something to prove, you know, because these players are getting paid a lot of money, so they need to make that money back. And Steph knows what he has to do. Uh, we know Steph in the regular yeah. season, you know, he can average 30 points per game in the regular season. So I don't see them struggling to get to playoffs. They still are a top five seed for me, um, given the fact that Clay won't be playing a lot of the first few games. So I still give them top five seed, um, but it's when they get into playoffs now. Can Steph shake off that monkey that he's had in the playoffs? You know, Uh, can he be the leading player in the team to get them to the conference finals at at a minimum? Yeah, yeah. And really, I think we panicked a bit with uh, with Steph. Although I mean, I contribute to the slander sometimes, <laughs> uh, but I think we panicked a bit um, with Steph. I mean, everyone has those finals uh, where they come in and they don't look like themselves. Mm-hmm. LeBron had it with the 2011 uh, finals. It happens. Uh, I think with Steph, he wasn't sort of given that point to sort of get over those finals where he didn't look like himself. Sort of KD came in after his first two finals and yeah. just sort of took over everything and never really had space but uh, I think now we'll totally see what, what he can do he's had a, a, a good run so he's been to the finals he's won uh, a couple of uh, rings so I mean he has nothing to prove which, which will sort of help him um, I mean I think I expect him to have an MVP candidate type yeah. of season yeah. I don't think he'll, he's exactly a lock to win MVP mm-hmm. but I think he will have those numbers to at least warrant him to be in the conversation so I expect him to be very good in that in that sense. Yeah, I mean I agree with Vanel. I think they're probably top four. I'll put them top four uh, team in the West. Uh, I think in us underrating the the the, the Warriors, we're overrating other teams as well. I think Utah um, is going to be very good defensively, and uh, they added some good point guards. But I mean, I don't think uh, they're as good as yeah. we're making them out to yeah, be definitely. over the Warriors, which have. A proven track record, mm. and I expect I don't expect um, Clay to be off for the whole season, so I expect him to come back, maybe play what 2015 games, mm. which is towards the end where seeding is decided. Mm. So they should be somewhere in the top four seed, and they'll, they'll, they'll do really well. Uh, they might get what uh, Utah, Rock, the Rockets, or something like that in the first round. Those, those types of matchups can work quite well for them. So I expect them to do really well. Just that I wouldn't have them as a lock, but I wouldn't be surprised if they end up at the Western Conference Finals, which is and not exactly their ceiling, but yeah. sort of can say sort of say I don't see them in the finals, but mm. they can sort of contend. Yeah. So by having them as top four, you're basically saying you're putting them above trailblazers. 
because we know yeah. okay top two would be the LA team yeah the teams both of them and then I'd put Houston up there you know because of Russell Westbrook coming yeah. in you know it's a different player compared to Chris Paul mm-hmm. um, I just feel that Trailblazers can pip them you know in terms mm-hmm. of regular season uh, but once it goes to playoffs yeah. you know what Trailblazers are in the playoffs and they're not that good of a team exactly. so yeah. that's why I say fifth yeah. you know and then they probably play Trailblazers they beat Trailblazers and then they make their way to conference finals by beating we'll see which team comes Ooh, out what matchups are yeah. there Look, I, probably, I, don't see, I don't see Utah being better than them no yeah I probably put them ahead of the Trailblazers simply because I believe if Steph is healthy mm-hmm. uh, they'll be a very hard team to to guard uh, Steph will sort of take 30 plus shots uh, yeah. without play yeah. and that's 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 a very dangerous step um, <laughs> and we, we have to remember that they sort of had their injuries uh, last year which sort of disturbed chem- chemistry mm. so they sort of uh, have adjusted to that so they are used to playing with missing one or two players yeah. so they're sort of uh, adjusted to that and Steve, I think Steve Kerr is a very terrific coach he hasn't had to prove that because of the teams that he has had, I mean, KD was there. Um, you have Steph as well, you have Clay as well, you have Draymond, you had Cousins. It's almost an unfair advantage, so you don't have to do a lot of the coaching. It's just motivation, really. Uh, but I mean, now I think it will step up and do all. I don't know, man. I'm not so high on the Blazers as everyone is, but I think they're a very good regular season team. But I, I, I still maintain uh, the Warriors probably being fourth or something. Alright guys, let's wrap it up now with some tennis chats. The US Open was kicking off on Monday 26th of August, so that's next week, Monday. Are you guys looking forward to seeing play at the tournament? Uh, I think just because of the build-up, I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing Nick. Uh, <laughs> wow. I'm looking forward to seeing Nick Kyrgios play, but uh, I mean, we know what he can do tennis-wise. Um, yeah. Is, is definitely box office. Uh, yeah, we saw what he great. did with Wimbledon and mm. with uh, Nadal. I mean, I thought he was very much into into the game. Mm. And if, if I'm Nadal, I definitely say I don't want to see this guy again because of he's such a, a difficult player to play with, to play against rather. Because he comes in, he's, he's, he's a very highly talented individual. Mm. He might have uh, laps of judgment. Uh, he might not be as disciplined as. The other people should be uh, as, a, as a professional tennis player should be but he can win against you with mm. all that uh, baggage that i've just mentioned mm. he can legit come in and win against uh, the top three players so i mean i'm very looking <laughs> I, I, I would, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play and he's in the u.s he's in hollywood so <laughs> I, I i'm very excited to see him play but obviously uh roger and Serena as well. Uh, yeah. I think they've uh, they've something that's greater than them to prove. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to to seeing them play as well. See how they fare. It looks like they're in the tail end of their careers, but mm-hmm. they still remain very competitive. So I mean, should be should be very exciting. And the young players now they've sort of struggled and on Wimbledon mm-hmm. uh, sort of got off this first round. So I'm very looking forward to seeing City pass back in yeah. playing again because I mean, it feels like a long time when you go out in the first uh, first three rounds. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I think it should be it should be very exciting. I don't expect them to go out early in, in hard court. I mean mm-hmm. everyone starts with that. So yeah. everyone should be comfortable with that. Yeah. Um okay obviously we all wanna see Raja yeah. uh, Nadal and who's this guy? And Rafa. Mm. Uh, Roger Djokovic and yeah, and <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, we all want to see them, but like you said, I want to see Titi Pass play. 
um, you know, I've been like following Titi Bus, I think, since the uh, beginning of mm. when we started the podcast, you know. Uh, and he is a great player, you know. Um, he is young and he's going to be one of the. I think once these three leave, he'll mm. be up there, you know, challenging. Um, but there's also. We also we also have uh, Naomi Osaka coming in yeah. uh, as the as the defending, defending champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can she do? She also yeah. didn't do that great in Wimbledon. Um, can she come and can she defend her title? You know, mm-hmm. can Serena come and win her favorite title, U.S. Open home, yeah. home title? Uh, we don't know. But yeah, for women's, I think it's uh, Serena, Naomi, and Coco. Uh, Coco should be playing. Yeah, I uh, hope she does play. She's she not allowed one wild card or something like that. Uh, I, I think, think it's some age restrictions. Yeah, she, yeah, she can only play three majors, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think uh, I'd like to see Coco play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she gave us a lot at Wimbledon. Yeah. She showed us, hey, I'm coming. You know, I'm, I'm only 15, but I'm coming. Uh, yeah, and she's very exciting. So. Yeah, um, I think for women as well. Mostly looking forward to Serena Williams. Um, I think, you know, she's, she's been having... Um, very controversial career yeah you know as of late and she's all, i mean she's 37 now you know mm. so i mean for her i think how she finishes off her career will mean a lot to her mm. i mean she succeeded a lot you know i mean she's done a lot so i think these last stretches mm. mean a lot and i think that's what like tiger woods as well yeah that's yeah. why winning meant so much to him that yeah. you know you better respect my name yeah <laughs> you know? so i mean obviously and obviously naomi um, from the men's, I was, I was shocked when I saw that Roger and Rafa still have so much to offer for the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, not really shocked, but it's like, wow. At this level. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, these gents can still push like this. Obviously, always excited to see those. Novak Djokovic, one of the most entertaining tennis players, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, excited to see that. Um, I think it's very difficult to make any predictions. Yeah. Uh, if I was to be bold, though, obviously, back Serena Williams. I think that mm. this tournament means a lot more to her than any other woman's competitor. Just solely for that reason, um, not anything um, athletic-wise. Because I think also the injuries are getting difficult now. Now yeah. that she's 37, you know, you can start seeing that they are having an effect on her. Mm. But I think the mentality and the moment of what this would mean to her will probably back her. So if, if I had to make any bold statements, I'd say that's Serena. Okay, for you guys, I know MK just answered this. So, do you think we should lower down our expectations for Serena, given her her age, given her injuries that she's faced in the last few few years? What do you guys think? I mean, I think this is what what makes the great uh, is how do you perform under expectations? Uh, yeah. When you're coming in, it's, it's very easy to not, not very easy, but it's very comfortable to win your first uh, two three majors. Um, so it's it's like oh she, oh she's really good oh okay oh she can she can do it back to back mm. but I mean when you have when you're like twenty plus deep mm. and uh, you're coming off uh, pregnancy and you're doing so much for the game outside uh, outside sports itself mm. um, so it's, it's it's a huge burden to to put on one person mm. but uh, sort of she does well to take up that responsibility but. It's a huge, huge bed, and you come in, you play. Uh, Naomi Osaka was just like free of uh, a lot of bed, and she comes mm. in. We're not expecting her to win. We're just saying, "What's Serena going to do? What's mm. Serena going to do? Mm. Is Serena going to win the twenty-fourth one? Is Serena going to win the twenty-fourth one?" And she comes in, she outplays Serena, and mm. she wins. And there's sort of like politics in there. Mm. Did Serena receive coaching? Did she? 
Did she not? So it just seems like it's too much expectations. I would, I would love it in a perfect world for us to sort of like be more fair towards uh, Serena. I think it's mm. it's a huge, it's a huge burden that she has on on her shoulders. So, I mean, I think we should lower down our expectations for a bit, mm. just for her to be more comfortable and just sort of like play tennis uh, the way she does without having to worry about all these pressures. Because I mean, at uh, that controversial U.S. Open uh, match. She did receive coaching um, and not intentionally because a coach looked at her and he was talking. I don't know if that's what he does. He just talks, like maybe just you know, as a coach, maybe he's just in the stand saying like, "Oh no," but he's not receiving coaching. And then they did lock in eyes, so it does look like she's coaching. And afterwards, he did say that, "Oh, I received coaching." He did say that, "Oh, I was talking. I was actually was coaching her, but wasn't intentional on her part." Also, obviously, I mean, no one was wrong. The ref made. The empire made the right call. Mm. She was uh, right to say that, but I wasn't taking any question because it wasn't intentional on her side. But she fights it so much because of uh, the guard that she has to have up with her all the time. Because mm. now thinking like, oh, they're doing this again. Because she has had empires uh, in the past that yeah. ruled unfairly against her. So <laughs> the whole debacle around her is just just way too much for her to just come in, play a, a tournament, uh, and play very well and actually win. So. I would love for us to lower our expectations. Probably won't happen because of who Serena is, but yeah. it would be it would be it would be nice for for us to sort of like say, "Hey, man, just go in. You win, you win. If you don't, you saw one of the greatest of all time." Look, um, I wouldn't. I don't want to lower my expectations yeah. because at the end of the day, if you are fighting to be the greatest tennis player yeah. of all time, then you will be you will be criticized at a high level, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like she's, and she's like one grand slam away from the record or mm-hmm. tie yeah. the record. Yeah. So it's, we can't lower our expectations now. If she was three grand slams or four yeah. grand slams away, then you can say, okay, you know what, maybe age is not on her side, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Let's lower our expectations. She's not going to get there. Yeah. But it's literally one grand slam away. And she, know, she knows she can do it. I think it's just a mental monkey. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. And once she gets past that, um, then you know, because she is the greatest women's tennis player of all time. Some go yeah. as far as saying greatest tennis player of all time. Yeah. Uh, Roger has said it many times that yeah. she is the greatest tennis player of all time. So I just think if you are the greatest, show us. You know, have a record when you leave. This is my record. I've won mm-hmm. the most Grand Slams. So no, let's not lower expectations. Uh, if she wants us to lower expectations, I think she should just retire. We can't live in a world where we're not expecting Serena to yeah. win, you know. Mm. So if she does, if she wants us to lower expectations, then she should just retire and someone else will come in. Alright, well, moving on from the greatest player of all time to the greatest organization of all time. The GOAT topic is brought to you guys by GOAT Africa. GOAT Africa, of course, the greatest ever. Gentlemen, I'm curious to know from you guys, you've all played sports of some kind. You've all watched sports of all kind. Yeah. And when you guys have that one moment where you scored that beautiful goal, or you saw someone score that beautiful goal, maybe you saw a great try that was scored, there was a celebration that followed. So I want to know from you guys, what's your most favorite ever celebration ever? Uh, I probably have a top two. Uh-huh. It's funny because both of them uh, have, uh, <laughs> have far-reaching consequences. Um, my first one would be in, uh, in the NBA, very recent. Uh, 
when Dame uh, sort of like scored and then you waved goodbye to the <laughs> to the OKC fans. Uh, obviously, I mean, it seems like that celebration destroyed an entire franchise. Um, after yeah. that, Paul George left. Um, then they had to ship out uh, <laughs> Russ out. So that that could have been a wave to to the entire franchise. They had to pick up a couple of picks. Now they are left with a bad contract in Chris Paul. So, I mean, it's, 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 I think it's one of my greatest uh, celebrations that I've seen. Um, but also, I would also mention um, Balotelli. Uh, although, I mean, during that time, it was, it's a very t- painful time for us. Like, just as, but the why always smiles? Oh, <laughs> I think that will always uh, forever be iconic. I mean, it's still there in the highlights package. Um, mm. You see it when a new season and they are putting together packages mm. you still see it there so mm. those yeah. would definitely be my uh, top two mm. yeah okay um i also have a top two yeah uh first one manual at the bio yeah um, oh wow okay that's no way you right that was classic you know um the other one is after um set platter yeah. Um, it came out and said that Ronaldo is not the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays like a general of some sort. Then Ronaldo just got a big hat trick in the celebration of you know oh, that is that is you know that yes, is possible. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so for me, that's my top two. But Adebayo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll start with noteworthy mentions. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Megan Rapinoe's celebration throughout the whole World Cup. Oh, yeah. You know, the things she's done, um, I think, yeah, that's a noteworthy <coughs> action for me. Um, another noteworthy mention would be the Aguero goal that got them their first uh, Premier League title. You know, just that celebration, you know, others thought they were going to be celebrating. Uh, then 12 of 10. 93rd <laughs> minutes, someone gets the ball, you know, scores and then takes off his shirt and also runs half the length of the pitch um but my number one goal i think because of also the context and all that was the wayne rooney bicycle kick when he went to the flag and he just just, ah, that that celebration you know coming off uh people were saying no he should play number 10 he shouldn't be playing striker you know bring him back uh, he was also injured and he yeah. did that was it against Man City I think yeah, yeah, that game. Yeah. so you know Manchester Derby and I think he won the game with that goal and just that celebration you know that okay I'm yeah. back I'm, I'm the Rooney that I used to be yeah. uh, I think that just sums it off for me my honourable mention I so watching Brian Abano score a try was always fun whenever he had it the, the ball he'd fly over the try line yeah. like a superman <laughs> yeah. so that's an honourable mention for me but for me uh, apart from the ones you've mentioned my favourite one is actually closer to home um, Chiefs I forgot the coach of Chiefs was but yeah. they were playing against was probably Swallows and was, Swallows had this player his name was Peter Njoku from Zip mm. really good top striker he was on form that season and so they were interviewing the Chiefs coach right before the game. They yeah. were like, so what are your, your plans for this Peter Ndlovu guy? And the Chiefs coach said, well, Peter Ndlovu, who's that? I mean, why should I care? That game, Peter Ndlovu scores. He runs over to the Chiefs bench, runs to the Chiefs coach and says, it's nice to meet you. I believe you don't know me. My name is Peter Ndlovu. <laughs> 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 a 
that's probably the greatest celebration you will ever see. Yeah, I don't think anything tops ever. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys, thank you for tuning in to the Final Four podcast. This has also been the Gold Topic, so thank you very much. Um, until next week, I'm James. This is MK. That's finally. That's Willie. We'll see you guys soon. Cheers. Have a good one. <laughs>